Welcome to That You May Grow Thereby, a work of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. We are located at 18 Scott Drive in Florence, Kentucky. Our phone number is 859-371-2095. You can also visit us at www.nkcofc.com. And now, that you may grow thereby. Thank you for listening to That You May Grow Thereby. My name is Greg Littmer, and I am one of the elders of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. And in our previous podcast, we talked about something I entitled Ten Commandments for Husbands. And I did that in order to set forth in a simple, yet hopefully memorable way, basic principles related to the man's position in the home including his duties and responsibilities overall, but primarily those toward his his wife. In this particular podcast, I'm going to do the same thing from the other side of the ledger. I'm going to be presenting Ten Commandments for Wives. The first one is exactly the same as it was for husbands. Thou shalt love thy husband and commit thyself to him for a lifetime of oneness in marriage divine, and indivisible. I find it interesting and enlightening that love is not set forth in scriptures as a prerequisite for marriage, but it is set forth as something to be learned and grown as the marriage matures. Paul's instructions to Titus concerning what he was to teach the older women are found in Titus chapter 2 verses 3 through 5. The passage says, Older women likewise are to be reverent in their behavior, not malicious gossips, nor enslaved to much wine, teaching what is good, that they may encourage the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be sensible, pure, workers at home, kind, being subject to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be dishonored. Did you notice that they are to encourage the young women to love their husbands. In that time and in certain societies today, the marriages were arranged. Frequently, the couples knew very little about each other and had spent little time together before the marriage took place. There was commitment to the marriage and then a lifetime of growing in love and appreciation. Far too often, we have it backwards. A marriage is entered into with a sort of pie-in-the-sky image of what it's going to be like, head over heels in love, and then spend the years falling out of love instead of into it. As I think back, for about the first 20 years of my preaching life, I can only remember one divorce that took place among those congregations with whom I was laboring. It came about because of unfaithfulness on the part of the wife. That certainly is not to say that it wasn't happening elsewhere, but simply that I only dealt with one. But then there was a stretch for about three in a row that did involve the women through sexual immorality and selfishness, some even packing up and walking completely away from their children. That used to be almost unheard of. Now, and this is also the case of a scripturally put away husband, 
he or she moves to another state and becomes a member of another congregation with no questions being asked. Wives must make their marriage such an exclusive relationship that, as Solomon wrote in Proverbs 31.11, the heart of her husband trusts in her. I think of Proverbs chapter 6, verse 32, and even though it speaks of men, it certainly applies equally to women. The verse says, the one who commits adultery with a woman is lacking sense. He who would destroy himself does it. It is not okay to look but not touch, for a man and also for a woman. The second is, thou shalt leave thy mother and father and cleave unto thy husband. In Genesis chapter 2 verse 24 we read, For this cause a man shall leave his father and his mother, and shall cleave to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. In a sense, those 24 words sum up the entire teaching of Scripture on the subject of marriage, and even though spoken of the man, it applies equally to the woman. Leaving mother and father does not mean dismissing them, but it does mean that a wife is no longer to depend upon them for the fulfillment of her needs. She is not under their authority any longer, but has promised God that she would be in subjection to her husband. In our earlier podcast, we were in Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to go back there now. In Ephesians chapter 5, verses 22 through 24, we find, Wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is the head of the church, he himself being the Savior of the body. But as the church is subject to Christ, so also the wives ought to be to their husbands and everything. There is not much point in leaving if the woman is not ready to cleave. And a wife is not ready to cleave if she is on the phone to mom, dad, or both every time some, something goes wrong or there is a little disagreement of some kind. Clean means to adhere to, to stick like glue, to be attached by strong ties, and all of that implies action. In the eyes of God, it means wholehearted commitment to your spouse. It is God's plan that a husband and a wife have an inseparable union. Number three of the commandments is, Thou shalt respect the privacy of thy marriage. There used to be a saying in World War II that said, Loose lips sink ships. Loose lips or fingers on a keyboard sending messages onto the internet can really hurt a marriage. I will tell you that a husband must know that he can reveal his innermost thoughts to his wife, that he must know that he can express his feelings verbally and physically, and know with absolute certainty that no one else will hear about them. The husband who truly loves his wife as his own body, who truly believes and understands that she is a part of him, must know that all shared intimacies, personal and private thoughts and expressions, are as if he has been, in a sense, sharing and expressing them to and with himself, and that they will go no further. Every time I hear marital confidences being shared with an outsider, or hear a husband say something like, you told them what, or you told her what, 
I think of Proverbs 11 and verse 13 that tells us, He who goes about as a talebearer reveals secrets, but he who is trustworthy conceals a matter. Chapter 17 and verse 27 tells us, He who restrains his words has knowledge, and he who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. Now there may come a time in marriage when some counseling or assistance is needed, and it may become necessary to reveal some private matters to carefully and mutually chosen or agreed to individuals who are in a position to help, but even then to a very limited number of people, and not for general discussion with friends over the phone, Facebook, or Twitter, or any other form of social media. Commandment number four is, Thou shalt recognize that thy primary evidence of responsibility is in the home. We have been in Titus chapter 2. Again, we consider Titus chapter 2, verses 3 and 5. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in their behavior, not malicious gossips, nor enslaved to much wine, teaching what is good, that they may encourage the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be sensible, pure, workers at home, kind, being subject to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be dishonored. In 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 14 we find, Therefore I want younger women, widows, to marry, bear children, keep house, and give the enemy no occasion for reproach. It is undeniable that God has placed the primary responsibility of the wife in the home. Does this mean that she cannot work outside of the home to help provide for the necessities of the family? Absolutely not. Does this mean that because she does work outside of the home, she can neglect her primary area of responsibility? Absolutely not. Is it a position of inferiority or somehow less important if a woman stays home and cares for the household rather than having a career in the business world? My friends, only a fool would say so. The scriptural picture of a godly wife is one of industriousness and hard work, who first of all focuses upon her family and then on the other things she is able to do. We know the picture of what is often called the virtuous woman in Proverbs 31. The woman described there is a wife. For emphasis sake, let's read Proverbs 31 verses 10 through 31. It tells us an excellent wife who can find? For her worth is far above jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not evil all the days of her life. She looks for wool and flax and works with her hands in delight. She is like merchant ships. She brings her food from afar. She rises also while it is still night and gives food to her household and portions to her maidens. She considers a field and buys it. From her earnings she plants a vineyard. She girds herself with strength and makes her arms strong. She senses that her gain is good. Her lamp does not go out at night. She stretches out her hands to the distaff, and her hands grasp the spindle. She extends her hand to the poor, and she stretches out her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of the snow for her household, for all her household are clothed with scarlet. 
She makes covering for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates where he sits among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them and supplies belts to the tradesmen. Strength and dignity are her clothing and she smiles at the future. She opens her mouth in wisdom and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and bless her. Her husband also, he praises her, saying, Many daughters have done nobly, but you excel them all. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her the product of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. Commandment number five is, Thou shalt live within thy budget, making a home from whatever able he is able to provide. A basic biblical principle is found in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 37. But let your statement be yes, yes, or no, no, and anything beyond these is of evil. In other words, if I say I will do something, I will do it. If I say I won't do something, I won't do it. I really do believe that even Ecclesiastes chapter 5 verses 4 through 5 is applicable in this discussion. It says, When you make a vow to God, do not be late in paying it, for he takes no delight in fools. Pay what you vow. It is better that you should not vow than that you should vow and not pay for it. Anything that I say I will do, I am saying it before God. Think of how this principle applies in our household finances. Folks get into trouble and experience great stress because they buy things on credit, which is a promise to pay, that they cannot pay for. Then one credit card is obtained to pay off another, and on and on it goes. A budget can be very helpful, especially in the early years of marriage. I'm not meaning to imply at all that the wife is always the cause of financial problems in a marriage. Oftentimes it is the husband who does not seem to want to control his spending. But this lesson is focusing on the wife. She cannot spend more than the family makes. Commandment number six is, Thou shalt respect thy husband, treating him as he would like to be treated. I cannot help but think again of the wonderful application that can be made of Paul's exhortation concerning how brethren are to treat each other in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 31 and 32. Apply it to a marriage. He wrote, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice, and be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. So, if a wife wants her husband to be kind, be kind to him. If she wants her husband to be tender-hearted toward her, be tender-hearted toward him. If she wants her husband to be willing to forgive her, then be willing to forgive him. Commandment number seven is simply this. Thou shalt open thy mouth with wisdom, and in thy tongue shall be the law of kindness. Wives, you must realize that a great deal of your husband's personal perception depends upon you. Nobody is perfect, including your husband and you. Everybody makes mistakes. Everybody does foolish things. Everybody has made poor decisions. 
If your words to your husband are cruel, sarcastic, or mean, the entire marriage will pay the price for your failure to let the law of kindness rule your tongue. You can build your husband up, or you can tear him down with your words. The choice is yours. Commandment 8 is, Thou shalt recognize intimacy as the wonderful, fulfilling gift of God that it is. Obviously, this part of marriage was given by God for both the procreation of the human race and to enrich and enhance the relationship between a husband and a wife. Yes, it is a responsibility, but it is so much more, and never is it presented in Scripture as a one-sided thing. Again, we read from 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 3-5. through 5. The passage tells us, Let the husband fulfill his duty to his wife, and likewise also the wife to her husband. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. And likewise also the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Stop depriving one another, except by agreement for a time that you may devote yourselves to prayer, and come together again, lest Satan tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Never use this side of marriage as a weapon in your relationship. Number nine is, thou shalt be a help meet for thy husband. Indeed, that is exactly what God had in mind. Genesis chapter 2 verses 18 through 23 is well known, but often not applied. The passage tells us, then the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the sky and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called a living creature, that was its name. And the man gave names to all the cattle and to the birds of the sky and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found a helper suitable for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man and he slept. Then he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh at that place. And the Lord God fashioned into a woman the rib which he had taken from man and brought her to the man. And the man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Wives, your husband needs you. If he preferred living alone, he wouldn't be married. Every husband needs to know that his wife cares about him. He needs to know that he has a committed, intimate friend in his wife who will love him in spite of the fact that he is not perfect. I'm not talking about just overlooking sin, but Christ loved us while we were yet sinners, even while calling for repentance. Your husbands need to know that you value his opinion and his judgment. After all, look who he chose to marry. The truth of the matter is that most husbands will do almost anything right to gain and retain the admiration of their wives. When things are going well, compliment and encourage. When they are going bad and he is down, lift him up. And finally, number 10 is, thou shalt not give up on thy marriage. Problems will come. Disagreements will arise. But nothing short of death should end that marriage. Only sin can bring about a cessation. Follow God's plan every step of the way. Sometimes you just have to go back to the fundamentals. And remember always, God's way works.
Thanks for listening.